You know, I'm not a motivational speaker, but sometimes uh, I feel motivated by things that I read. Today, I, I read a few books this morning, uh, Ellie Wiesel's book, Open Heart, on how he had open heart surgery at 82. He's a Nobel Prize winning, Peace Prize winner that uh, escaped from Auschwitz or, or lived through Auschwitz, um, the concentration camp. And, you know, I think life, um, if you really get down to the core of it, it is about motivating ourselves, right? What separates the people like Elie Wiesel that changed the world, you know, win a Nobel Peace Prize? I also read this morning about uh, a guy in the Middle Ages, 1100s, named Abelard, who was a famous kind of Catholic priest, but we're still talking about them 1,000 years later. Is it motivation? What motivates us? You know, if you're in business, sometimes I meet people, I, or I have business partners or mentors, and sometimes I'm thinking, what motivates these guys? You know, what motivates me? One of my business partners has made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, he's basically at the billionaire level, and uh, yet... 70 years old, still motivated to go on and go forward. I think there's something about you and I that should not be ignored, should not be suppressed. And it's that motivation to do. I think that's what makes us human. But let me add, it's easier said than done. There are times when I feel levels of motivation and I feel, um, you know, unmotivated. But, 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 what we know now about the human brain is that you literally can rewire your brain to stay motivated. Um, there's this talk that, you know, there's a lot of things on motivation, whether it's Tony Robbins, who I love, or I've seen some TED Talks, Simon Sinek, the why, you know, get into the why, that's how you motivate yourself, that's what he says, you know, what's your motive, what's your core reason you're doing this? I think, that as a human, unless you've repressed it, it's already there. So whatever you're trying to get, all you have to do is remove a little bit of blockage. You as a human are already motivated. Trust me. I lived on a farm. Every little calf that was born, every little lamb that was born, every little puppy, chicken, there's all innate motivation there. The wiring is already there. It's the default mechanism. What is it, though, that separates the doers from the people who never do? I, I had someone on Twitter today send me an email by, a, I don't know, some super rich investor. And he was saying about the have and the have-nots. And it was called something like the pitchfork, talking about how soon he's predicting that the world will revolt in the United States. The poor, who are, the rich who are getting much richer than the poor, the disparity is growing, are going to rise up and revolt against the the uber rich. I don't know if this is going to happen. It's very hard to predict the future. But I what I will say, what I will say that I think is more powerful than all of that. There is a time for revolt, but the easiest thing to do for you is unlock the motivation that's already within you. I don't mean this in some woo-woo way. I'll just say it this way. Let me invert like Charlie Munger says. If you don't feel motivation, there's several reasons. One, Seth Godin. I was checking out his book, The Dip. 
It's, it's a, he says, it's a little book that teaches you when to quit and when to stick the dip. Seth Godin, you probably read. He's a pretty prolific writer on marketing and business. And the first reason you might not be motivated is because you're doing the wrong thing. So remember, the human mind is extremely powerful. It has the ability to uh, lose motivation for a reason. It's an adaptive trait. So sometimes if you don't feel motiv- motivated, maybe it's somebody you're dating, maybe it is someone, uh, a, a job you're doing. Sometimes it means you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Like Kevin, Kenny Rogers says in that one song, the, uh, the gambler, right? You got to know when to hold and when, and know when to fold. Sometimes all you have to do to motivate yourself is quit something. Now, not always. Sometimes quitting is a mistake. Like the, I think it was Lao Tzu or one of the ancient Chinese uh, philosophers said, the motivation to give up is greatest right before you're about to succeed. I've definitely seen that. So walk carefully, tread carefully along the lines of this motivation, I mean, uh, uh, of trying to unlock motivation through quitting. Just know that sometimes that makes a lot of sense. Number two, motivation for me and if you study the human brain in terms of cognitive biases and how we're motivated, it comes through contrast, the contrast bias. You must be careful with who and what you contrast yourself with. You know, I was talking to Jonathan Haidt, this NYU professor, one of the, the, uh, you know, leading psychologists or researchers on human happiness. And he said, you know, Ty, if you, uh, Make $10 million and then buy a big mansion in Beverly Hills where everybody there makes $100 million. You may not experience uh, happiness, which of course happiness is somewhat related to motivation, right? When you're driven to do something, not just happiness in this emotional sense, but that feeling of, you know, you're moving forward. Now, we're not, what I'm talking about today is motivation, but in that case, the contrast, you won't experience that much happiness. Now, in the same sense, if you don't have a good contrast on what truly motivated people are doing, you might find yourself consciously motivated, but subconsciously your mind will say you're not motivated, right? There's kind of this inner barometer that you and I have. We know how much we should accomplish. You know, this book, Open Heart, is fascinating. Ellie B is all he, he's you know, lived through Auschwitz and then 82 years old, his doctor tells him he has to have heart surgery. And in one page, let's see if I can find it. Uh, he basically looks back and he says, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Now, remember, this is from a man who's written something like 20 books, won a Nobel Priest prize, uh, has traveled the world. Uh, he's questioning himself. I mean, for you or I, <laughs> we have to, he says, I've written some 50 works. So he's written 50 uh, articles, novels, books. Uh, but he's still questioning himself, did I do enough? That shows you the inner motivation that you also have. You will never be able to trick your mind into not doing much and yet feeling at peace with the accomplishments you've done. So my advice to you and I is change who you're contrasting yourself with. You can't fool the mind into thinking you've accomplished. But one interesting thing that Elie Wiesel did say in this book 
He said, I think I did all that I could, but I'm not sure it was enough. But he was satisfied with himself. He was like that Chief Tecumseh poem that I quote so often. So live your life that the fear of death can never enter your heart. When it comes to your your time to die, be not like those whose hearts are filled with the fear of death so that when their time comes, they weep and pray for a little more time to live their lives over again in a different way. Tecumseh said, sing your death song and die like a hero going home. That is what Elie Wiesel was saying. He had the proper contrast. He knew he had done all that he could. And so my question to you is, look back through your life. Start simply, as I always talk about the good life, start with your health. You know, I look back at my life and uh, I've always been, you know, in pretty good shape. But my dad, I was given this legacy. I had the contrast bias. My dad was one of the first bodybuilders in the world. He was, you know, world record bench press. He was Mr. Canada, all these things. And I didn't really grow up with my dad, but I had the contrast bias. I had the person there to compare. And I certainly underperformed looking back over my life. I should have been able to go, look, I've got the legacy from my dad. Work out even an hour a day, two hours a day. My dad used to work three or four hours a day. I certainly could have done 30 minutes. So I look back there. It's like, no, Ty, you missed it. The motivation was there, but it was hidden. What was it hidden in for me? I think uh, you have to be careful uh, when you're given something. If you're given a gift, you usually take it for granted. I think in the modern world, you and I, one of our biggest, uh, one of the biggest things that cover up our motivation that's already there, that's ready to go, that's ready to have you do big, great things and change the world is that prosperity covers them up. You know, I think it's not ironic that Elie Wiesel, 15 years old, goes to Auschwitz, sees his little, you know, it's a heartbreaking book at some level. If you've ever read Night, it's even more in depth. But even this book, he says, when I was going into my heart surgery, I looked back and I kind of drifted into this dream and I saw my sister holding my mother's hand, little girl, walking away from the train in the opposite direction of me and my father going into the concentration camp. And he said, I never saw her again, this beautiful sister that I had. You know, my grandmother, uh, who lived through World War II, also, uh, her brother died, not in a concentration camp, but her brother died in the army and, and was killed. And my grandma's 96 years old. And when she looked, if you bring up her brother, she still cries. It's that heart-wrenching. My grandma was motivated. My grandma's one of the most motivated people I've ever been around. And I have to think in part, it's because my grandma was born in 1918. World War I was still going. The recession in Germany came. She said, Ty, when I was a little girl, we only had carrots sometimes to eat all day long. She said, we literally turned orange in skin. She said, when I first came on a boat to the United States and I was taking some classes at Bryn Mawr or Yale, she went, ended up going to, she said, in the cafeteria, she saw other girls eating three eggs for breakfast. She said, I'd never seen somebody eat three eggs. She said, one egg, but three was like, she thought I was in this land of milk and honey, the most prosperous place in the world, she thought. So that motivation for you and I has been covered up by prosperity. And I know, you know, like the statistics show the, the disparity between the rich and the poor, is getting larger, but remember, 
That stat also shows everybody's become more prosperous. So I don't care if you have $100 million in your bank account or if you're living check to check right now. Understand that you and I, if we're not careful, will be the victims of prosperity. And the only real victim is our motivation, is us and our motivation being covered up and us not accomplishing what we could do. I think as you read people like this book, Elie Wiesel, when he looks back, it's always about the same thing. What could I have done? I don't care if you're religious or not religious. It's always, damn, I wish I had done more. Or sometimes I wish I hadn't done this. But generally, even the things you wish you hadn't done, it's because it kept you from doing something. Humans are motivated. You haven't. You don't need. I'm not a motivational speaker. Sometimes people say that about me. I'm like, I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm interested in ideas. You know, I, if I have, if I have a mission on earth, it's, I'd like to spread good ideas using mass media, you know, things like this show you're listening to, YouTube, TV, movies, radio. I'm launching a magazine, uh, my articles, all different things. If I can spread good ideas, I hope they're powerful in and enough, the, in and of themselves to motivate you. And the idea today is that the motivation is there. Elie Wiesel would say, I am no different from you, right? But he had certain things that happened to him that unlocked the motivation that was there. You know, I was reading, like I said, 1100s, Abelard, this man who was motivated to that time. It was, you know, Roman Catholic Church, and he was trying to spread ideas and talking about Plato and Socrates and dialectic, all this kind of stuff. But he had this intense motivation. You have it. I'm not going to get into Freudian reason or a, a psychoanalytic, you know, conversation of where our motivation comes from. It's interesting. Elie Wiesel in this book says, sometimes we know too much. It's like Alexander Pope talks about the uh, Pyrrhian well, you know, drank deeply or in an essay on criticism. A little learning is a dangerous thing. Drink deep or taste not the Pyrrhian spring. Their shallow drafts intoxicate the brain and drink largely sobers us again. He's saying, you know, <laughs> think deeply or don't think at all. But Elie Wiesel takes it one step further. It says in the Talmud, in his Jewish tradition, there is a rule that uh, sometimes we think too deeply. So for this conversation that I'm having with you now, let's not go and try to figure out why we're motivated. Let's just know the human is motivated. The animal in your farm is motivated. You know, the cow, the calf, it's motivated. Or life is a motivating force. There's many reasons probably why that is, but make sure you control the contrasts. Make sure prosperity doesn't cover up the motivation. For me, why I think I didn't live up and didn't work out as much as my dad is because I grew up in an extremely healthy family. My dad and my mom became committed to health. My mom was extremely healthy. My dad, like I said, was one of the first uh, pro bodybuilders and own gyms and that's all he basically did. So I grew up with this understanding, you could call it entitlement, that I was just naturally going to be healthy. And you see this in rich kids. What happens to rich kids that inherit money or even the thought that they would inherit? That prosperity does what? It covers up the motivation. You may not uh, come from a family that's has a hundred million dollars. I didn't come from that. 
but the prosperity that's rampant in the world is still affecting you and I. You know, my, my father was born and at one, when he was born or one or two years old, he was born in the thirties. He got scarlet fever and the doctor said, um, you know, you're probably, your son's probably going to be dead at 12 talking about my dad. And my dad was, they, the doctors back then said, Hey, you know, in the forties, they're like, Hey, keep him inside. Don't let him work out. Don't let him exercise. It'll hurt his heart. And he was 12 years old and he was a sickly kid. My dad was. And then around 13 or 14, he picked up a magazine. Uh, talked about lifting weights. And nobody was doing this. This was way before Arnold Schwarzenegger and Gold's Gym and all this kind of stuff. LA Fitness. And my dad said, I'm going to try this. And he started trying it. And he's out of the lack of health prosperity that he had. He became motivated. You know, he became Mr. Junior USA. He was on the cover of magazines at 15 and 16 because not because he was different from you or I, but because of the hardship that he had motivated him. It unlocked the motivation latent inside you or I. That's why I'm such a big believer in do some things that are a little bit tough. Toughen up a little bit. It will unlock the motivation that's already there. You don't need a motivational speaker. You need to remove the barriers and to find what's already there. We know this. Even the laziest person in the world. If you stick their head underwater, try to hold them underwater, they will fight back with every ounce of strength that they have in their body. Why? Because like Ellie Wiesel says, instead of asking the question, what would we do? What, you know, what would you do if you die today? He says, think of it from the opposite perspective. Live life. Choose life. Right? All organisms, all, whether, not even human. We want life. That's the motivation. It's strong. It's so powerful that we will do anything to keep it. And the only thing that makes it disappear are subtle little things. Like I said at the beginning, you may be doing the wrong thing. And if you do the wrong thing, you will lose motivation, rightly so, because your body, your mind, which is smarter than you think, even if you're not 150 IQ, like Bill Gates, it doesn't matter. Like Warren Buffett says, if your IQ is over 130, you can sell the extra, you probably don't need it. Most people listening to here, you probably don't need any more IQ. You could probably sell some of it. What is true, though, is that if you're doing the wrong thing, if you are dating the wrong person, if you are living a lifestyle that's not congruent with your inner beliefs, if you're going into a job nine to five that you hate, or if you're an entrepreneur and you're just doing something for the money, money alone, if you read Daniel Pink, his uh, books on you know what motivates humans, it's not just money. It's not just money. You will be motivated by a multiplicity of things. Some of those are intangible. Like Jonathan Haidt told me, he said, Ty, humans are hive people. They need the hive, right? You need to be connected to other humans. That's in great part. And that's the next thing. If you're writing this down, you know, I talked about number one, you maybe, you maybe need to quit things like Seth Godin talks about in this book I read this morning, The Dip. Number two, you need to change your contrast biases, change who you're comparing yourself to. I didn't finish talking about that. Let me say, if you think you're motivated, always hang out with people a little more motivated. That'll push you. But also understand that 
uh, this motivation is there. You don't have to go crazy with that. Okay. That's why I call it the law of 33%. Hang out with people 33% below you, those people you can help and they make you feel good about yourself. Have 33% of people on your level. Those become your close friends and 33% of your time with people ahead of you. That creates a contrast bias to get you moving forward. Thirdly, I said, make sure prosperity and quote unquote modern amenities aren't holding back the motivation, aren't making you feel entitled to something. I talked about this in my other show. Learned helplessness comes from oftentimes from prosperity. The monkey in the cage thinks at first, wow, this is a good life. I don't have to hunt for fruit and food anymore in the jungle. I don't have to risk being eaten by lions or jaguars. Uh, I don't have to worry about that. Now I'm being fed eight in the morning, noon and 5 p.m. by the zookeeper that comes in with a little bucket of food and throws it to me. But you know what? That prosperity is not what you think the prosperity is supposed to do. It makes the monkey unhappy. That's what Martin Seligman, the great psychologist, found. Right. University of Pennsylvania, one of the leading uh, psychologists in terms of positive psychology and understanding, not just psychology. So focused on the negative. He's like, let's talk about the positive. What makes us happy? Not just the psychoses of human beings. And that's what he found. So be careful with prosperity. Do little things. Take a cold shower. Turn off the air conditioning. Sometimes carry the bags from the show shopping. Try to grab them all. Do something tough. Do something hard. Go for a jog, do 20 push-ups today, sleep on the floor, go camping sometimes. I recommend this one. Go spend at least a couple weeks out of the year on a farm way out in the country or backpacking. Toughen up unless, and the penalty for ignoring this toughening up is that prosperity will kill your motivation. And you never want that motivation killed. To have that motivation hidden is to have life itself taken from you. You know, I love that saying. Most men live lives of quiet desperation. Lives of resignation. What that really means is they have the motivation. It's there, but it's been covered up. Next thing I want to talk about is the educational framework that you have. You see... The way you and I have been educated by schools, and I don't mean to disparage teachers and those people that helped us. They did their best, but we know more now. The world progresses. Knowledge increases. We know more now that schools kill motivation more often than not. Why? Well, they violate a lot of the principles we've talked about today. One of them, schools violate the giving up area, meaning you all, you sometimes have to take classes that you hate. Now, it's not to say people should, you know, that six-year-old kids know exactly what they should be learning. So we should be completely at their whim and go, oh, okay, this kid doesn't want to learn math. So we should never teach him math. No, there's a fine line and a balance that must be found. But schools is my belief. And I could be wrong, but this is my current belief that schools take it too far. And you and I have become the victims of classes that while they may have some purpose, people often forget. Let me, let me diverge for a second and explain. One of the most misunderstood and forgotten principles 
is Newton's third law. For every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. So sure, modern curriculum of how you and I got taught in you know, middle school and junior high and elementary school where we were said, oh, okay, you should learn calculus because this will have an action for you. This will help you theoretically be able to be logical. Yes, but they forgot it also has an opposite and equal reaction. You must not forget what they call unintended consequences. So the unintended consequence of pushing kids too far into things that they don't, that, that the child's mind or you and I uh, mentally didn't see a purpose for is to kill motivation, right? Kill motivation. So now most of you listening to this are an adult. The past is gone. Like Stephen Hawking says, the times, the, the arrow of time is moving forward. We can forget about this past. Although I'll be talking in a few minutes on the, on the phone, um, calling up, uh, the guy who wrote, uh, inheritance, right? And, uh, fascinating book on epigenetics. We probably have some genetic changes that happen to us on a motivational level, those dopamine and testosterone and all those complex uh, uh, receptors we have. Dr. Ian Roberts talks about, talks about this, or Robertson, I think, in his book, The Science of Success. So understand, some of your motivation has been destroyed by the educational system, and it's your job, and it's possible, to unlock that motivation. You can get it back. You can get it back. It's not that hard uh, to get it back. Here's what you have to do, okay? Number one, uh, you must understand that it's your job to go out and find. It's your job to go out and find. There is no learn helplessness. It's your job to go out and educate yourself. Different ones of you will need different. Uh, I don't know what that was. Like I just had a fire alarm go off in my house while I'm talking. <laughs> Scared me. I'm gonna walk outside and finish this. All right. Hopefully you can hear me. So <clears throat> in my library, I guess I need a new battery in my fire alarm. Uh, so you need to take the reins and educate yourself. It's that simple. That's why I read a book a day. That's why you should read a book a day. I know it sounds impossible. It's not. Flip through the pages, read five pages of a book, then move on to the next book every day. I know it's hard to do, but try it. It'll change your life. Some books you read slow. I'm reading Fast Food Nation. I'm reading it fairly slowly. For you, remember this. As you educate yourself, like Nelson Mandela says, I wish I could remember his exact words, but he said, education is what took a poor farm boy and made him the head of a nation. He was talking, I think, about himself, right? It's not that he was so great. The motivation came through knowledge. As your eyes are opened, as your eyes are open to the world, motivation naturally comes. Most motive, uh, people that I find that are not motivated, they're too insular. They're too in their own world. For some of you, you may need to get on a plane and fly to India. I did that when I was 16. That will motivate you in more ways than one. One of the ways it'll motivate you is by changing your contrast biases. All of a sudden you'll go, woo, wow, life could be a lot different. You know, something like, I forget, 300 million people in India 
live on $14 a month or less. They pick plastic out of the trash all day. It's a horrible life. It's a sad life that it's still like that in the world, but it is. You go there, you're going to change your contrast biases. You're also going to uh, toughen up, right? And you're going to educate yourself. You're going to have knowledge. And it's going to be in a way that would have been, it was a heck of a lot cooler than it was when you had to sit in school every day with kids you may or may not like, maybe kids that bullied you, environment you didn't like, teachers that weren't motivated. So you take responsibility. For some of you, it's getting on a, a plane and going somewhere, right? For others, and, and going back to number one, that might entail quitting some things you're doing. You might need to give up on what you're doing. I'm working with somebody who's super depressed right now. I'm, I don't, I'm not working directly with them. But the, their son came to me and said, Ty, I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know why they chose me, to, but I've tried to help where I can. And they, they said, you know, my, I'm, I'm working with my dad and there's so much depression there. And they're, they're just, you know, almost at the end of their rope. And I said, well, maybe they need to get on a plane, go work on an orphanage in Africa. There's millions of kids born with HIV, you know, helpless, innocent kids that are dealt a, a raw deal. I said, you want to snap out of depression? Now, don't take this as I'm pur- uh, purporting to know all the answers about depression. I don't know. I know some of it's physical. I know some of it isn't, though. <laughs> I know some of it is losing perspective. I know some of it is doing the wrong thing and forgetting, like the dip says, you got to give up sometimes. That person, maybe, and I know them, they stuck in a career too long, so they feel depressed now the end of their life. So I'm like, time for a change. Air is a time move forward. Make a change. Quit quit being in your little house in the middle of nowhere. Get out on a plane. Go to Africa. Get the contrast bias going. Go out there. Educate yourself. You'll sure, sure as heck get educated. You will change the prosperity entitlement that's probably holding back the motivation. And I've seen this work. I've seen this snap people out of depression. I'm not saying it always works. If you feel depressed, it could be your brain. Like number one saying, you should quit what you're doing. Your life isn't the life you should have. Never be one of those people that says, always be happy. No, understand the the functional purpose of depression. The functional purpose, because when you're not motivated, that's generally when you get depressed. You know, one of the common traits of depression is I can't, I don't feel motivated for to do anything. So like I said, I, can't, I don't have the answers for everything, but certainly this is a powerful methodology for you. And for most of you listening, you're not in an extreme case, right? But don't let yourself get to the extreme. Remember, like Ellie Wiesel says, 82 years old, when your heart is cut open and he's having open heart surgery and he's looking back, even though he did almost everything, he did Nobel Peace Prize, he did the greatest, you know, he had a wife and kids and loved and had all these great things going for him, was, you know, presidents came and met him. He did the things he said. I lived the life that I want, but I was still afraid it wasn't enough. If a man like that is so accomplished, you and I have a lot yet to do. One of the greatest chapters, I want to find it, or the greatest uh, lines in this book. And by the way, I'll, I have the show notes up on, on my site, tylopez.com. If you click on shows on the top, it'll have a link to this. Uh, and you can see see the notes from this, and it also will have the... Uh, the link to buy this book. I recommend it. He says, uh, 
what is different, and this is after a surgery, is that I know now that every moment is a new beginning, every handshake a promise. Powerful words. Every moment is a new beginning. And that lines up with science. That lines up with what Stephen Hawking says. Time is moving forward in a direction. That means he was he is right. So take this motivation, even though I'm not a motivational speaker, and understand that <clears throat> uh, you can motivate yourself. It's there in you. You don't need anybody necessarily, although in the sense of the contrast bias, certain social associations will help you. You may need to change some of the friends that you have for sure, right? So that you get, remember the law of 33%? Most of us don't do that last 33%. Make sure you're around people 33% of your time who are far ahead of you, who are acting on their motivation much more efficiently than you. Stay motivated. Never, never, never look back in your life and be like in the poem where at the end of your life you say to yourself, you know, you cry and say, I wish I had a little more time to do things over. Like the Indian chief said, Tecumseh, you won't have that opportunity, right? So every moment, every minute is a new beginning. Every handshake with a person you meet is a new promise of friendship, of moving forward. Remember these things. Quit some things and stick to some things. Adjust your contrasts, who you compare yourself with when it comes to motivation. Don't let prosperity cover up this latent motivation that is within you. Do some things to toughen up at all times. Take the reins of education upon yourself. Knowledge. It's not even education. It's if you can download the knowledge of the wisest people in the world, whether it's reading a book or whether it's getting on a plane to go to India, right? These things will inject new knowledge into your head, which will unlock this motivation. So uh, check out my website, tylopez.com. Answer me this one question. Thank you for all you people that are tweeting. and You can find me. I got a pretty big Twitter follower. Find me. Answer this one thing for me. What's the number one thing? keeping you from being motivated. If you're on my site, listening to this, answer in the comments. If you're on YouTube, leave me a comment. If not, go to my site, tylopez.com, put in your email, you'll get on my free book of the day, and then you'll also get an inbox message from me, private one on my site. You can talk to me directly. That's the best place. Or you can email me at tylopez.com. For those of you interested in my private mentorship program, my premium VIP program, and my inner circle, if you're more advanced in business, uh, click on the links on my site. But remember, Get to the bottom of motivation. Time moves quickly. As I've talked about in another show, you never know your real age because you can't count your age backwards from when you were born. You got to count your age forward. None of us know how long we live. Doesn't mean you need to live frantically, spend all your money, never save. You're probably going to live a few more years, maybe a lot. I hope a lot. But remember this. What will make your life amazing is if you can unlock the latent motivation within every human, within every animal. It's there. It's in our DNA. Some people just let it out better than others. I want you to let your motivation out. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not a motivational speaker. If I can point you to some principles, those will motivate you, not me. Let them motivate you. Forget about me. I will come and go like every other human. But these principles, 
like I talk about, and like I learned from great people like Seth Godin or Ellie Wiesel or Abelard from the 1100s. Let those words sit with you. Let their words sit with you and motivate you to do something new today. And like Joel Salatin used to say to me, make haste slowly. John would be quick, but not in a hurry. So begin on something today that you may be procrastinating. Don't be like me looking back and being like, wow, could have been like my dad. You know, I'm in good shape, but I could have been in great shape. Amazing, right? I could have been like my dad, a pro bodybuilder. You know, now I'm catching up though. See, there's redemption. There's redemption. And Ellie Wiesel saw that. He came out of the most horrible circumstances, 15 years old, seeing your mother and your sister walking away from you, never seeing them get again, five-year-old sister. That the worst circumstances, but there was redemption for him because he took that and it motivated him to change the world. And he did change the world. He won a Nobel Peace Prize. You know, and little things for me, I use the motivation of looking back. Damn, I had the chance. And now I work out a heck of a lot more for the last years. You know, you find some little thing and then make it a medium thing and then make it big thing. And the next thing you know, maybe you'll win a Nobel Peace Prize. Maybe you'll make a million dollars. Maybe you'll be like Bill Gates, make money and then use it to eradicate malaria or smallpox or to change the world. Or maybe you'll go to India and you'll start an orphanage. I remember when I was 16, I was at a leper colony. Right. And I saw people devoting their lives to the forgotten. That might be you. Or maybe you'll be like Arnold Schwarzenegger and you'll motivate people to be healthier. I'm reading Fast Food Nation, how fast food and the large corporations are destroying. And I'm not anti-corporation. Some people are. I'm just saying that specific one, the fast food industry, <clears throat> although it's full of good people, I'm sure the overall net effect is disastrous in many ways. Maybe you'll be somebody who changes health. In the world, maybe you'll find amazing love like my friend Janelle and Nina, and you'll be an example to the world of, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, and wife to children, and you'll change the world that way. Maybe some of you will be artists and you'll bring sounds and thoughts to people, whether it's through painting or through music, or maybe you'll just be a person who finds fulfillment and that motivation from you will rub off on other people. Find your great thing. Some of us, like John Wooden says, God only made one Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All of us can't be Michael Jordans. All of us can't be Elie Wiesel and win Nobel Peace Prize. But the motivation, the same motivation in them, is in you. We know this at a DNA level. Drive, great book by Daniel Pink. I'll have this in the show notes. Other things. What motivates you? Find it. Quit some things. Stick with some things more. Double down like Jack Welch. When he took over GE as the CEO, grew it to the largest company in the world, what did he do? He said, what businesses can we not be number one and number two? They were like in 300 businesses invested. He shut down some of them. He quit some of them. He took that money and doubled down on doubled down and made other things bigger. You do the same. All right? So check me out. Join my free book of the day. It's, I think now the biggest email book of the day in the world, 1.4 million or so being reached. Uh, it's free for you to join, become part of this movement, changing the world, okay? Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.